In My Fair Lady, Professor Henry Higgins laments, why can't a woman be more like a man? As I get older, however, and notice that women live longer than men, I wonder, why can't a man be more like a woman? To learn more, stay with ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Ken Brummel-Smith. Dr. Brummel-Smith is the Charlotte Edwards McGuire Professor and Chair, Department of Geriatrics, Florida State University College of Medicine. He is a past president and the immediate past chairman of the board of the American Geriatrics Society. Today we're discussing the stronger sex. Welcome, Dr. Brummel-Smith. Thanks for joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you. It's great to be here. British Medical Journal, April 11, 2006, said that women now live longer than men, even in the poorest countries. What are the men doing wrong? Well, one is we lead kind of risky lifestyles. Men in general take more risk around things like driving and gun use and smoking and other behaviors that way. So, you know, it's been estimated by the Institute of Medicine that 70% of all causes of death are primarily lifestyle related, and we're just not as good as they are at being careful with our lifestyles. Which are the big ones that cause the most risk? Smoking is at the top of the list, and although women internationally have increased in smoking in general, women smoke less than men do. That's probably the worst one of all. And then, uh, especially for younger ages, the risky lifestyle activities like driving out of the seatbelt, taking unnecessary risk in sporting activities, those sorts of things. But that really sort of knocking off the people at the younger ages. When you get up into the geriatric population and people have made it that far, are we saying that the past lifestyle has taken its toll, or are there other factors that come into play as one gets older? Well, it's a good question and complex answer. One aspect that's important to remember is that the main reason why there are so many more older people today is because mostly young people don't die anymore. So there's just a lot more people available to get old. Whereas in developing countries, it's still often younger people who are the biggest risk for dying. So that's one aspect that's important is that if you don't get to be 20 or 30, then you're not around to get to be 80. Another aspect, though, is that the people who are less risky on their lifestyles in their younger ages are more likely to get into their older ages and then to have the long-term effects of the delayed action. So, for instance, if they're not crazy drivers and using guns when they're young but smoking, then when they get into their 50s and 60s is when they start to have the effects of that and they start dying off. And so then you take out that middle group. And so there's fewer people both from the young age and the middle ages to get old. But I've noticed like even when I visit my mother or friends of ours that there are a lot of widows, but I don't see a lot of widowers. Is there some way that the men can live as long as the women? Well, probably the big issue in old age has more to do not so much with lifestyle, but as with the way that people cope with stress, their eating habits. Smoking continues to be a risk factor as long as someone smokes. In fact, interestingly, studies that have looked at stopping smoking even up to age 75 show benefits. So older women tend to have more social arrangements where they have support. There's very good evidence that social support is a major factor in, for instance, longevity after cancer or after an MI. Probably the biggest thing for women is they get into 
late middle age and old age is that they're much more likely to be talking about their problems with someone, another woman friend. They're much more likely to be in social arrangements, and they are less likely to smoke. Recognizing that at Florida State University, are there any pilot projects ongoing to sort of put together, be it support groups or it's so easy to conference call now or buddy list some of the elderly. I can't get my mother on the computer, but my (laughs) mother-in-law is and chat rooms. I mean, are we exploring these kind of technologies to help people keep them connected? Yeah, we have actually a number of different initiatives on that way. One of the things that's been shown, for instance, to reduce the risk of Alzheimer's disease, and that too is more common in women, is continued education. And we have a tremendously active elder education program. I call it College for Old People because it's basically 300 or 400 people in their 70s and 80s who come for classes here at FSU. It's really amazing. And we have Nobel Prize winning faculty to faculty in our medical school to people talking about their latest books, uh, giving these amazing lectures. And I just finished one on kind of medical problems in old age. And I was just amazed by the type of questions and the amount of study that the old folks did that attended these classes. Do they get good grades? <laughs> well, fortunately, they don't even worry about grades. Oh, good. That was great. <laughs> I didn't have to grade them, and they didn't worry about being graded. I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Ken Brummel-Smith, Chair of the Department of Geriatrics at Florida State University School of Medicine. And we're discussing why do women live longer than men? On the website of Florida State University Department of Geriatrics, I clicked on this, Why Do Women Live Longer Than Men? And it referred me to an article, Dr. John Tower from the University of Southern California, theorizing why women live longer. And they talk about oxidative stress, free radicals, enzyme superoxide dismutase. Clinicians will hopefully forgive me for delving a little bit into some basic science. But I wonder what your thoughts are there, and is that a bright area of research? Well, yeah, it is. You know, one of the things that people are looking at is genetic effects and especially the effects on things like telomeres, for instance, and the natural occurrence of mutations that occur. And whether the earlier years that women have estrogens available, whether that provides them with some protection, we don't know. The other thing that's kind of related to the whole area of oxidation is diet as well. And men tend to have diets that are more meat-oriented and less vegetable and fruit-oriented than women do. Uh, I think that would be one thing that we all could do as men that would be more like women that would probably help with oxidation. Do you believe in fish oil, enzyme CoQ10, and some of the other things that are said to be antioxidants? I mean, the fact is I do, and but I do it mostly because of having given up on the ideal, which would be that we would eat a diet that would be rich in those. The other aspect that's a little difficult now with fish oil is the problem of mercury in fish. For someone to actually get natural fish oils in the way that we would like, because there's just so much more value to getting any type of vitamin and other uh, factors through regular foods, but the problem is is that a lot of older people may not have access to that or it might be difficult for them to prepare. So I think personally that especially fish oil is a beneficial additive to take. Andrew Weil out in Arizona, I believe, has a program on integrative medicine. Any thoughts on what he's teaching? He writes an article each month in the AARP journal, 
and recently talked about anti-inflammatory foods and supplements. Any thoughts on his program and the advice he gives in those articles? Well, I haven't read those articles specifically, so I couldn't specifically say. In general, I think the things that Andrew Weil has been proposing are good things, and that the good thing I like about him is that he researches the topic well, and he doesn't jump on a bandwagon just because it's receiving a lot of press. One question I have, and I don't know if we have enough data yet, but women are certainly bearing children at later ages than they had in the past. And I'm curious whether that change in the biology is going to have any impact on the aging process, development of dementia, morbidity. Is there anybody looking at that? I don't know of anybody looking at it from the standpoint of dementia, but I know people are looking at it from the standpoint of osteoporosis. You know, if you start withdrawing a lot of calcium that's been stored because you're having the baby in your 30s, late 30s or even 40s, is it going to increase the risk of developing osteoporosis? I mean, that's a whole area of interest in geriatrics is looking at cohorts as they move through time. You have to be careful about it because each cohort is different. And an old joke in geriatrics is if you believe in cohort studies, then you have to believe everybody in Miami is born Hispanic and dies Jewish. (laughs) You know, the reality is that a cohort is helpful when they are similar. But I think that... We will see many differences in the baby boomers because we're obviously going to do it differently than the persons who are currently in their 80s right now. We mentioned diet and we mentioned the possibility of estrogen having an effect. Do we know anything about exercise and how to fight memory loss, perhaps through exercise, through games, through activities? Actually, exercise is really a giant area of research right now, and there's increasing amounts of evidence about the benefits of exercise, even to the point where there's some preliminary studies about exercise preventing the development of Alzheimer's disease or Parkinson's, and even slowing the progression of Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's. But there's extremely good evidence about, for instance, the benefits of exercise in fall prevention. And falls are the sixth leading cause of death in older people, and that mostly affects women. So an exercise program is really the foundation for good health. And what sort of exercise do they need to be doing? Well, it's ideal if they do four types of exercise. So aerobic conditioning is the 30 minutes of aerobic type exercise, which can be gotten just by walking most days of the week. More is better, but just 30 minutes of gentle walking is great. The next one is strengthening, and that's some type of easy weightlifting training. It can be done actually in a weight program or simple things like a can of beans on each side, you know, put into a plastic shopping bag and hooked over the foot and use it for quadricep strengthening or arm exercises. The third thing would be balance exercises, and that would be things like standing on one foot. You can do that while washing the dishes, so there's some holding on that's there if necessary, but switching feet and maintaining balance. And then the last part is some flexibility exercise, and that's usually done by range of motion exercises, stretching, reaching up high, reaching down, stretching the hips by lying on the stomach and pulling the legs back, extending the legs. Those sorts of four exercises would be a perfect exercise program. And you keep your patients doing that well into their, you know, 80s and 90s? Hundreds. Hundreds. (laughs) So this is something you don't quit. No, and that's the issue is that if you do quit, you lose 
all of the effects very rapidly, and it takes three times as long as the time period that you're immobile to regain it. So deconditioning sets in extremely fast, and we want to prevent that from happening. We have an ongoing research project right now in the hospital where we're exercising older people as soon as they come in the hospital for their acute problem to hopefully prevent them from developing delirium. Well, that's fascinating. I'd like to thank Dr. Brummel Smith, who's been our guest, and we've been discussing why women live longer than men. I leave you with the words of Dr. Bernard Isaacs. There are three stages of life after retirement, the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, and the Stone Age. In the Bronze Age, the body is fit. In the Iron Age, the body is standard, but the mind is free. In the Stone Age, both body and spirit are rock. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com and explore our on-demand and podcast features, which gives you access to our entire program library. Until next time, I wish you good day and good health.